The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's financial objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should obtain independent advice before making any financial decisions. The Explorers podcast is sponsored by RM Capital, a provider of specialist small to mid-cap corporate advisory and boutique wealth management services. Hi, this is Barry Fitzgerald, Garen Perro columnist for Stockhead. Welcome to another edition of the Explorers podcast. We're off to northwest Queensland today where pre-IPO company Critical Minerals Group has assembled a portfolio of vanadium and copper gold assets in the Julia Creek and Cloncurry areas. As the company name suggests, the critical mineral of vanadium is the main focus. Used as an alloy in steel, vanadium's critical credentials are growing in line with the growth in vanadium redox flow batteries, or VRFBs. An Australian technology years in the making, VRFBs are plugged into the battery storage of renewable energy. They have large-scale energy storage applications, and because no flammable solvents are used, they have safety advantage over lithium-ion batteries. The company's flagship asset is the Linfield Project, and it's about 30 kilometres northeast of Julia Creek. And Julia Creek, of course, is a regional township, about 650 kilometres by road to the west of Townsville and 255 kilometres east of Mount Isa. More on Linfield in a moment. The company also has two interesting copper gold prospects, Fig Tree Creek and Lorena Sounds near Cloncurry. Now we have Critical Minerals Group MD, Scott Drellencourt with us today to discuss the company's progress and its plans to IPO the company. G'day Scott, welcome to the podcast. G'day Barry, thanks for having me. All right, um, you're at the IPO stage so, and obviously that tells us it's a new company in the eyes of most investors, so it'd be great if you could get a bit of a background on uh, yourself, your professional career. Sure, myself, I'm a geologist by trade. I've got about 16 odd years experience, so I've sort of covered most of the geo experience from exploration, greenfields, brownfields, development, uh, open cut operations, underground operations, mine geologists, uh, investment, divestment acquisition, valuation on companies, uh, independent expert advice for geologists as well. Um, I could go on, I won't. But yeah, so that's my background as a geologist. Um, prospect generation as well has played a part of that. Um, but a background about me, I suppose my background is well. I, I graduated back in uh, in the two thousands, early two thousands at Newcastle University, and from there, the natural progression is to go into coal. That's the that's the region, coal, coal seam gas, etc. So that's where I initially fell into. Uh, did the work and, and loved the work I did out in the field. But it was around two thousand twelve. I didn't started getting a bit of an itch that. Coal, thermal coal, didn't really have play much of a, have much of a future, and it started to make me feel a bit uncomfortable. So, it was, I, I tried to get into base metals, critical minerals. There, there wasn't too much of a market there at the time. Uh, it wasn't until about 2015 that I had the opportunity to particularly full time focus on critical minerals, and so for ethical moral moral reasons, that's where I became involved in about 2015 in the critical mineral space and had been focusing on vanadium particularly as well in uh, the Julia Creek region full-time since then for multiple companies. Um, yeah, so that's the background of me and, and how I've got in this space and now I'm 
comfortable with myself uh, professionally, morally, and ethically to be in this uh, critical mineral space. Now, um, just tell us a bit about the company's recent history and what funds you will be seeking in the IPO. And at the IPO price, what will the company's market cap and enterprise value be? So at IPO price, uh, we're looking to raise $5 million. Uh, We're offering a pretty favourable EV of about $3.66 million. So indicative market cap will be about $8.66. So that's very favourable considering we already have a Jork resource, which occurs at surface and has infrastructure in play. And we have two other prospective greenfield plays as well. Um, as the history of the company, we were initially started with a company called Vantech Minerals, which was the Vanadium play. I came on board, uh, wanted to restructure the company and build a portfolio of critical mineral assets to develop, uh, which we will continue to do. And that was a restructuring. So we put, we put a corporate uh, top head on top of that called Critical Minerals Group. And now that owns 100% of uh, Vantech Minerals, which is the Vanadium play, and the other subsidiary, which has the two Concurry uh, copper gold assets in it. And we'll continue to build that business model up as well. Okay. Now, I think uh, most investors, obviously, uh, with Vanadium, know about the uh, its use in steel and uh, its traditional uh, growing at GDP sort of uh, growth, or maybe a little bit more because of the, uh, the specialty applications of uh Vanadium uh, strength and steel, and um, but v, VRFBs. Uh, what can you tell us about those? Yeah, it's it's pretty good technology. Um, so it, it would be used predominantly for large scale grid scale energy storage systems from renewable systems like the solar plant, wind farms. Um, you could probably get it down to residential scale at the bulk battery storage uh, end. It's it's a pretty novel but also simplistic technology it's only got a uh, vanadium in it in the electrolyte form so you've got uh, vanadium with a v5 to a v v1 um, so we'll call it uh, v plus three and v plus five uh, in, in one cell and one in the other cell respectively and one has a higher charge so that becomes the positive the other one becomes a negative that's it. It really just transfers electrons between one state from one end of cell to the other. Uh, because it's the same uh, electrolyte form, there's no real issue with contamination. There's no runaway heat effect. Uh, there's no degradation over time, so you can fully discharge and charge it uh, repeatedly. It has, at the moment, about a 20-plus year life, and that's because the technology at, at current standard is about that age. So that's why it's got that life, yeah. So it's quite clear um, that production of uh, vanadium, uh, vanadium pentoxide, has to increase to accommodate what looks like a, a strong growth profile for the use of these batteries. Yeah, that's, that's, that's true. Uh, I think the forecast is about uh, 20.7% forecast for battery growth in vanadium uh, from 2020 to 2029, year on year. So there's a pretty big forecast growth. Um, yeah, and, and, and we'll go into the other points of the battery as well. It's a point to note that uh, most people are aware of lithium-ion batteries, and they have their place, uh, your phones, even up to your EV systems as well, uh, in the smaller scale side of things, but not many people are too aware of the vanadium flow batteries. 
um, the largest Vanadium Flow battery, sorry, the largest battery systems in the world are Vanadium Flow batteries. There's a, one coming online next year in Dalian, China. I, I believe it's a 200 megawatt, 800 megawatt hour battery. Um, that one battery system itself contains uh, 9,000 tons of vanadium. So put that in perspective, if we were to mine 2,000, uh, sorry, 2 million tonnes per annum run of mine and extract approximately, say, 6,000 tonnes of vanadium, so that would be a year and a half of production just to supply that one battery system. So the demand's definitely there and the forecast is uh, definitely supported. Now, um, Linfield, you, and you, you touched earlier on the... Uh, the low EV of the company at the IPO price. Um, yet you have a uh, quite a substantial jork resource at a nice grade at Linfield. Yeah, so I, th- I think we're, there's a few reasons to offer such a low EV. We don't want to BS shareholders. We want to give them value if they, and we want to get them to come in for the right reasons, for, for the ESG reasons, moral and ethical reasons. But put that aside as well, We've we've got the right technical people on board to deliver that, and what we've done already is delivered a jork resource of 210 million tonnes at 0.39%, and that sits above all our peers bar one in the region, but our outcrop is, sorry, our uh, resource outcrops at surface, and we have our infrastructure being road and rail going through our tenement as well. So we're well-placed. We're offering... Yeah, a significant geological resource that we will look to expand upon and add more value to. Yeah, I think it's probably worth uh, touching on that is that sort of infrastructure corridor running from uh, Mount Isa through Julia Creek all the way to Townsville. Um, I know it's early stages yet, but in terms of uh, actually building a project, having that infrastructure support of both sealed highways and a, a rail line, uh, beats operating in Outback WA. <laughs> Beats operating in a lot of places, I suppose. Yeah, that's the first thing you try and tackle is the infrastructure, proximity to infrastructure. Um, yeah, so we're, we're really fortunate that the that our resource just happens to outcrop a, a few kilometres from the heavy gauge rail and uh, Flinders Highway that goes directly to the port of Townsville. So that's that's a pretty big bonus, and for a few other players in the region, at least they've got access to or nearby. Uh, so the region will will definitely take off. But uh, yeah, that, that that's a great great uh, infrastructure to have in place for sure. So, what are the plans from here with Linfield? You've got the sizable Jork resource. The so whatever your plans are, I take it we can say at this stage it's not exactly resource constrained. You've you've worked on the uh, put the resource together. It's now more about having some uh, hurdles you'll have to clear to get into production. What are those hurdles, and uh, what's the timeline? Yeah, so we've got a pretty ambitious roadmap we, we want to deliver on. Um, we're going to go out uh, post-wet season next year, which will most likely be around April, or the back end thereof. Uh, we're going to go out and drill for bulk sampling materials. So we're going to get in core. That's going to have two uh, effects. The first one will be will give us the capacity to upgrade our jork resource, and I'll be focusing on upgrading the uh, resource category from, from inferred up to indicated and higher if possible. And I'll be doing some more uh, constrained grade control sampling to see if we can upgrade that uh, the vanadium grade as well. But the main reason for going out and drilling is to get bulk sampling. So I want to run uh, a, 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 over a tonne of material through some processing, uh, metallurgical processing work. So I want to develop a flow sheet to start with the baseline uh, a lot of the other historical companies have done it so it's not really an unknown we've just got to 
be able to say we've done it on our material, develop that flow sheet, uh, and then scale that uh, test work up to a bulk, a, a, a large bulk scale, lab scale test work, potentially a pilot plan if, if, if possible uh, in next year as well. And we'll also, in between the, the baseline uh, metallurgical work to this bulked up, scaled up version of processing, we'll be doing a scoping study as well. So 2022 is a pretty uh, ambitious year, but it's all lined up and quite achievable. Uh, following that, in 2023, we're looking to kick off a pre-feasibility study as well. And just remembering the uh, the, the growth pro, uh, profile for uh, the battery sector and the need for new projects to be coming forward, I think it's probably, it's worth mentioning that that Julia Creek area, uh, it's it's pretty much shaping us a bit of a uh, Vanadian hub, is that? Because there's a private group that's developing a mine as we speak, I think. Yeah, that's right. So um, Multicom Resources, they're doing a good job. Look, um, I don't see really anyone out there as a competitor. There are more our peers. Uh, we collaborate. We have in the past um, of what we're doing as well. And with some collaboration going on with the state government in that sector, I'll expand on, expand on later. But yeah, Multicom Resources, they've developed a, uh, a mining lease has been approved and they're entering the fundraising stage for construction. And I believe they're looking to raise about $250 million for, for their operations. Um, and that would be to extract vanadium, but also uh, high-purity aluminium, which we'll look to exploit as well. So they're advanced. Uh, there's a few other guys out in the area, uh, companies out in the area as well advancing and uh, we'll be looking to catch up with those guys very quickly. Now, Scott, I've been around long enough to remember Julia Creek uh, being mentioned <laughs> as um, shale oil, uh, not shale oil, yeah. what was it? Yeah, it was shale oil. Yeah, oil shale, yeah. Oil shale, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Retorting of uh, oils. Um, um, very, I don't know what the e ESG credentials of that are <laughs> nowadays. <laughs> Pretty poor, I'd imagine, yeah. So uh, it's not an area of interest for the company? up there at all absolutely not no look our like i said our resources our crops at surface so it, it, the vanadium is bound within three units or what i've defined as three lithological units it's the coquina limestone and then the coquina uh, limestone which is interbedded with shale and then just a shale unit um so a few point point points to note on that is our resource sits above the base of weathering. So what base of weathering is a nominal, say, 30 metres deep. And above that base of weathering, as the deposit's over 110 million years old, the weathering um, conditions have depleted any inherently bound oil from the shale. So that's completely depleted. Uh, so we'll, so that makes us a bit cleaner and something we just have to contend with in the processing stage to retort as you mentioned before, the oil out. So we'll be looking to crush and just uh, leach out the vanadium. We don't have to worry about retorting or any of those historically uh, unenvironmentally friendly uh, processing routes. Now, the uh, that Julia Creek region's um, uh, potential as a major uh, source of vanadium in the future uh, was listed on the federal government's uh, recent listing of uh, critical uh, minerals projects in Australia. I'm just wondering what's, and uh, I'm aware that the Queensland government's also keen on seeing an industry develop out there. What sort of support is there available to a company like yours from the federal government or the Queensland government? A lot. So there's there's, there's support through policies and state, both state and federal, uh, grants, funding schemes, etc. both state and federal. I think 
most people are probably aware that I think ScoMo recently just announced a uh, $2 billion loan facility to develop critical mineral projects specifically. Uh, there's, there's, I think Mike Cannon-Brooks has just announced a $1.5 billion fund for critical minerals, renewable energy projects as well, so the support there. Um, the state government, though, in Queensland has really, really been supportive. Um, a lot of the companies, as I mentioned before, in Jilla Creek have been collaborating. We all know each other. We all talk with each other um, as well. We all get along. And, and the Queensland government has sought to try and do this themselves and come to us and see if we collaborate, not knowing we already had been. And so what they've done as well is they're pushing for vanadium uh to be developed out at Julie Creek, but they're also pushing for downstream opportunities in the value chain. So uh, manufacturing to be done in Australia, battery technology to be developed and distributed in Australia. And what the Queensland government are doing is put, they've put together a consortium for a potential multi-user facility out at Townsville um, as well. So they're supportive of that. And I'd imagine there's probably going to be some news on that coming up uh, either this year or early next year on that as well. So very supportive and uh, very open channels as well, um, the Queensland government as well. So very good. Uh, kind of interesting. We've got the, the West Coast with its lithium, of course. Now we've got the East Coast with the vanadium focus. Um, all focus, uh, the, the real focus, of course, being the energy transition, which we uh, we've touched on earlier. Um, Fig tree and uh, Lorena Sounds. Um, nice to see them included. Uh, I take it your geological experience you've kept an eye on those and decided they're worth including what's the story with those two yeah look they're, they're uh, more greenfield exploration plays both copper and gold um the fig tree creek has a historical mining lease in the southern portion of the tenement that has never been exploited and that particular mining lease that was on that uh, ground has a uh, electromagnetic signature that matches up with the uh, uh, Two kilometres north of us is the Great Australian Mine. Oh, yes. Uh, so that correlates with that. It has a lot of surface sampling done, rock chips, soil sampling, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, that show copper and gold anomalies as well. It's structurally complex, uh, folds, faults, etc., which you'd want to identify to target for copper-gold style of mineralisation. Um, so that that's a good little story there but what's probably more important to note, and this is applicable to uh lorena surrounds as well is the um the, the grounds are underexplored and that's sort of hard to wrap your head around for the Cloncurry region um because most of those old mines or most of the mines there have identified typically uh outcrops and they've said oh there's a there's a nice gold vein we'll chase that down from surface or there's some copper mineralization we'll chase that and that's how they've identified most mostly their uh their mines what we have on our projects Feetree creek and uh, lorena surrounds is a, a thin alluvial cover so we've got the which is not identified in the outcrops so what we do have is the the geology, the soil and amp, uh, um, surface and amp anomalies that show copper gold anomalies, historical mining lease, uh, and other correlations between what's geologically on our grounds, such as electromagnetic anomalies that correlate with other mining operations within a few kilometres as well. So that makes it really prospective and exciting for me that we could discover something just below the surface that hasn't really been on people's front of mind in the past. So that would be advanced uh, next year to a drilling stage? Yeah, no, what we're going to do next year is we're going to go out and map 
and and uh, get some penetrating samples. So we want to get samples that penetrate that disalluvial layer and try and identify uh, tightening on some drill targets. So we've got to reinterpret all the data that I've mentioned, surface sampling, electromagnetic, 3D, magnetic as well, um, geology, and, and plus the mapping we do on site. Put that story together better. Get the ground penetrating sampling that will get, like I said, get under the alluvial cover and help us identify what's below that. And then from there, we'll develop drilling uh, targets to go out and exploit. I can suggest at this stage that uh, just those two projects in a uh, gold copper float would probably easily raise $5 million. So, <laughs> Thanks, Wayne. <Mike. laughs> <laughs> now, um, the timing of the IPO, where you're at and uh, what's uh, the website and uh, all contact details that uh, interested investors can uh, have a squeeze at the company. Yes, the timing of the IPO is is still on track. So we're developing a, um, a prospectus at the moment. We'll have a pathway, a pathfinder prospectus most likely completed this week. The, uh, we've, the feedback we've got is the ASX is pretty inundated at the moment. So we've, we've lodged um, in principle advice with them and it's most likely we'll be most likely at the moment, we were planning for an early December float, but it's most likely now we'll be uh, doing that in late um, January, February next year, just to, due to the backlog with the ASX. Um, yeah, so that, that's our strategy. We're um, still doing meetings and introducing ourselves to potential investors and funds who are particularly focused on ESG and getting them interested and excited. We've had some really positive feedback and most people we spoke to have shown a lot of interest to date. Um, so we'll be continuing doing that pre-lodgement of the prospectus as well, most likely early next year now. And do you have a function on your website where investors can sure. lodge their interest in receiving or notification of a prospectus? So our website is pretty simple. It's criticalmineralsgroup.com.au. And on the uh, homepage, on the homepage, you'll see register your interest for our upcoming IPO. You can lodge your detail and put your information there. It has summary about the project, uh, sorry, about the company, I should say, and, and how it's founded, our ESG fundamentals underpinning it. It's got some information on the projects themselves. Um, it's also got the standard um, corporate governance, information about their board, ESG, et cetera, and what the minerals can be used for, for example, vanadium and high-purity aluminium and copper. There you go, folks. So if we've got your interest up, go off to the website and have a look. So with that, Scott, thanks for your time today. Interesting uh, project, uh, Linfield, and then um, you've got the copper gold on the side there. So uh, good luck with it all. Be watching with interest. I really appreciate it, Barry, and thanks for your time. Cheers. This episode of the Explorers podcast was sponsored by RM Corporate Finance, an active participant in emerging companies around the globe.